Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Over the top, looking for Rashford. Brilliant control, brilliant finish from Marcus Rashford. And he marks his 100th. Premier League appearance with an outstanding goal. Sterling brings it back to Gundogan, back into the box. Lovely football by City. Sergio Aguero couldn't miss. Square pass to Kante, and now a brilliant finish from Gonzalo Higuain. Towards Llorente, chests it down to Son. Son to shoot, goal! Tottenham Hotspur have broken through, and it's Son Heung-min again. Play it down the line, though. It's a big chance here for West Ham, and they've got the equalising goal. A brilliant free kick right off the training ground. Miguel Antonio in off the post, far bottom corner. It's the Premier League preview show for week 26 of the 18-19 season. A few short weeks ago, it looked like the Premier League might be becoming a procession with Liverpool delivering their first title in 29 years. Since then, they've started wobbling like a jelly on a speedboat, leaving Man City and Tottenham attacking with spoons in hand. There's big games for all three this weekend, which we will preview. Plus, the Marco Silva derby, where the team that actually has Marco Silva are the ones that wish they didn't. Cardiff have everyone at the bottom of the table worried and plenty more action besides. I'm Tom Rennie and this is the Premier League Preview Show. Let's say hello to our panel for the day, starting with TalkSport's football editor, David Walker. Dave, you must be excited about Marco Silva getting the sack this weekend <laughs> after a big loss to the Hornets. Well, he's got to make it there first, hasn't he? They've got to take on Man City on Wednesday as we record this a few hours before the game. So I don't even know if he'll make it to Saturday. I hope he is. I hope he is in charge. Otherwise, a whole section of today's show is going to be completely redundant uh, by Thursday morning. But you don't get sacked after losing against Man City, no. do you? It'd be lovely to finish him off, but I'm sure we'll come on to that later. We will talk about that. Two men that aren't finished off by a long chalk with us in the studio. Let's say hello to the footballing half of today's panel. Uh, let's start with the man opposite me, the former West Ham and Man City captain, Stevie Lomas is back. You all right? Very well, Tom. Did you enjoy the Amers uh, on Monday? You were there, weren't you, for the Liverpool draw? I did actually for the first time in a long time came away thinking there was a makings of a team there and they played like it. You know, enthusiastic, got about Liverpool, and for me, were the better team, Tom. Because you were saying a few weeks ago, you've been to a lot of games working there this year, and there's nothing you'd really enjoyed. Well, you enjoy the game at least. I, I did enjoy the you game. Stay for the ninety minutes. I certainly did. No, maybe just five minutes before get the getaway <laughs> for the traffic. But no, I think against the bigger teams, you know, we seem to be able to raise it. 
Um, it's the lesser teams that we don't really play with the same level and intensity. And we'll get on to this week's game against Crystal Palace a little bit later. Uh, the final member of our panel, but certainly not the least important, Kev Watson is here, former Tottenham, Reading, Rotherham midfielder. Good to see you, mate. You all right? Yes, very well. Yourself? I'm all right. Tottenham in the title race. Is that what you're going to tell us today? Um, yes. Mathematically, <laughs> well in the title race. Can they win it? Mm, not sure. We will find out. We'll talk about Tottenham's game a little bit later. Uh, if you are listening to this programme on a radio station, you can download an extended podcast. Search for TalkSport Premier League Preview Show on Acast, iTunes, Spotify, any other good podcast provider. I'm 33 today. Anyone bring me a cake or a card or anything? Money? No. OK, fine. Let's move on uh, to the football. Uh, we'll start with the league leaders, Liverpool, who take on Bournemouth on Saturday, 3 o'clock UK time. Uh, Liverpool unbeaten in their last 33 Premier League home games, winning 23 and drawing 10. Bournemouth, who I was covering in the weekend at Cardiff, have lost each of their last seven away Premier League games, conceding at least two goals in each of those games. Crazy. I'll never understand how some teams can be so good at home and so dreadful away. We'll get to that, but let's start with Liverpool. Steve, as we mentioned, you were at the game on Monday. It has been such a big story. Um, I've really been a little bit annoyed by some of the Liverpool fans, Liverpool media, saying, well, you know, Liverpool had so many players out against West Ham, that's why they struggled so much. If only they'd have had Yarmolenko, Anatovic, Lanzini, Wilshere, Reed. Oh, no, wait, that was West Ham had loads of players out and still managed to get something from the game. Um, was it injuries for Liverpool or was it something else? I don't think it was injuries. I think it, it was in, in the midfield area for me, the three lads that played for Liverpool, Fabinho, um, Alana and Kerry. For me, they haven't really done it this season. They've been out. I think they've been between the three of them. They've maybe started 15 games all season. I think Noble, Rice and Snodgrass dominated them. And I think that's where they're missing Milner and Henderson, that... Britishness, you you know mm. what you're getting from them, and uh, Ryan Aldum's a miss too, isn't he? Yes, then mm. at the day they're, they're they're quality players mm. out your midfield. But that being said, if you brought them in, you'd, especially the money they paid for them, you'd expect them to be better. I think it wasn't just one thing. I think Firmino up front was as poor as I've seen him in the last two years. He was dreadful. I thought he would have made the sub earlier and put Salah through the middle and brought Shakiri on earlier, but he didn't do. He waited. And and I think there's a bit of nervousness from the manager. He was moaning about, after the Leicester game, about the pitch not rolling right. And now he's moaning that, that West Ham, Kevin Friend, did West Ham favours. Now, he had an offside goal, blatantly offside. Could have won the game from another offside situation. So, for me, the manager's got to take stock and say, hold on a wee minute. We've only lost one game all season. Let's get back to what we're good at. But ultimately, when you're missing them level of players in midfield, it is going to have an effect. Uh, Kev, what about you for for Liverpool? We have asked there. I asked Steve what went wrong. I mean, West Ham are pretty good. Before that, Leicester were pretty good. So, you know, maybe, uh, as Pep said a few weeks ago when City lost against Crystal Palace, that's just football. That's the way it goes. Has Liverpool not been particularly bad? Just a bit off-colour? And do you expect them to recover against the worst away side in the league on Saturday. I expect them to recover against Bournemouth, yeah. Um, they're conceding goals left, right and centre away from home and it's a good game for Liverpool to try and regroup and get themselves back to winning ways. I'm with Steve regarding them the other night. I think they moved the ball too slowly. It was all too ponderous. Um, 
for me, you miss Milner and Henderson, like Steve said, in the middle of the pitch. Lots of energy there. It was all too ponderous. West Ham done their homework. For me, didn't defend very high up the pitch. There was no room for Salah to run behind. And when they broke, and, and we spoke about this earlier, you've got Mark Noble running past your free in midfield and joining the front. That's not even his <laughs> game, but he's seen the opportunity to do it. Yeah. And he's, he was in the box more than probably any other midfielder on the pitch. I thought he was terrific the other he night. He had a great chance to score he, as well at he, the edge of the box, running did. off people. He did, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I, I just think that there is a little bit of nervousness coming in. I don't. It doesn't matter even if you've got your first 11 out of you, what you deem your best Liverpool team. I think they've not won it for so long. They come close under Brendan Rodgers. It's been years and years since they've won the title. They are going to be edgy getting over the line. And if Manchester City win at Everton tonight, even though Liverpool have a game in hand, just to see that, oh, wow, you know, we could have been seven points clear and now we're behind. You're playing catch-up even though you've got a game in hand. And not just that there, Man City's key players are coming back really in the form. Everybody in that Man City team are at their best levels in terms of fitness, games played... Whereas Liverpool now at this key period, they're having to change their team. And that, that does have an effect. Players mm. coming in who haven't had a lot of game time all season. And two players in particular are coming to a new league, which you know is difficult in mm. itself. Uh, and, and, and it does have an effect. So Manchester City have had their slip-ups, haven't they? Mm. Um, but they've been and gone. And now they just look unbeatable again. I just don't know if that's true. We'll get to Man City later. The reason the top of the table looks so interesting to so many of us is that I think all of them have real deficiencies at the moment. They might just be minor little things, but City at the back, Liverpool's injuries and the right-back situation, Tottenham, of course, without Harry Kane. We were talking a few weeks ago about it being two teams maybe getting 100 points. What makes it exciting for us again, Dave, is that it could be... 85 to 80 with three teams running all the way to the end. Yeah, well, that's the thing. They've they've done so well between the three of them, City, Liverpool, and Spurs, that all of a sudden a draw away at West Ham is a, is a crisis. A, a draw against Leicester, who on their day are, are a decent team, is a real problem. Whereas in seasons gone by, you could afford to to draw away from home here and there, but now they're they're so much better than than most of the league. You know, you drop one game. It's almost like in Spain, you know, with yeah. Real Madrid or Barcelona, draw a game, and all of a sudden the other one goes up. And that's kind of what we've got now on our hands with, with Liverpool and City and to a slightly lesser extent Spurs. Uh, with Liverpool, the way they play this weekend, um, against West Ham, they reverted to the kind of 4-3-3 they did last season. Shaqiri has been playing in a kind of 4-2-1-3 or whatever. Weird formation. They were kind of making a four up front in a kind of organic yeah. formation. Do you expect Shaqiri to come back into the starting eleven, supporting the front three? And Steve, you mentioned Roberto Firmino earlier. I mean, they've got Divock Origi, who who came on. Uh, Daniel Sturridge, who who is fit at the moment, as as far as I understand. Though, of course, things can change in the 72 hours between now and and the game itself. Um, Would you expect a few changes, certainly up front? I would expect it, yes. But I think maybe he'll stick, stick with his players that have been there and seen it and gotten results beforehand. I think the only issue is can Bournemouth go and play with the same discipline that West Ham had and I'm not certain. I think that's why Bournemouth do do well at home because they are so open and they're a game for anybody but away from home they can't revert back to that disciplined, sitting behind the ball, nobody's coming out, out, out of line uh, and I think 
I will think that it'll be an easy job for Liverpool. But that being said, I think they need an early goal because if Bournemouth were to get a goal, cool, that would really put the cat amongst the pigeons. What about relaxing after that first goal? Certainly against Leicester, Liverpool stopped pressing. They were crazy for the first 10 minutes. Forward, forward, forward. A real sort of almost 90s way of playing. Get forward, score the goal early in, in your home games. Uh, against West Ham, again, they scored in inverted commas, a goal uh, moderately early, what, half an hour in, something like that, after absorbing some West Ham pressure. Um, is it important to get out there against Bournemouth, Kev, as, as Steve says, to score early? And what happens if they don't? Yeah, I think so. Um, but I think they're at the stage now where human nature plays a big part in, in what you do. They've been so good defensively this season with, I mean, Van Dijk, arguably the best player this season as a centre-half, if not... Not the last couple of games, in, in Yeah, they were, they were wide open against West Ham. Yeah, but... Forgot to mark Harry Maguire the week before. I mean, you haven't got to do a week's research to know that, do you? I think they've been 1-0 up in the last two games, started like a house on fire, but then are they saying, oh, one's enough, you know, we can... Mm. We, we don't want to, you know, we don't need to go chasing it now, one's enough. One's never enough in any level of football, as it's proved to them the last two games. So they'll come out, no doubt, he'll have them firing right from the off again. Um, they'll need that early goal. But as Steve said, Bournemouth can be a threat. They concede goals, but they've, they've, they're good going forward. And they, they have scored away from home against yeah. the big teams. And they've got nothing to lose. They're not going to go down. They're not going to go anywhere near the top six, seven. They're going to go there and have a go. Absolutely no, no doubt about that. Yeah, that might play in the end into Liverpool's hands. On Bournemouth, um, I've got to ask you two guys this. I'm always asking people these questions because from the outside, people like Dave and I just can't understand how they can absolutely annihilate Chelsea in that second half. One of the best performances by any team against anyone this season. Again, before that against West Ham, they were dominant, absolutely dominant. And we've mentioned about West Ham earlier, you know, competed against Liverpool in the last week, another strange sort of club. But then they go to Cardiff last weekend, and fair enough, Callum Wilson's out, and that utter waste of money, Dominic Solanke's playing up front, so fair enough, they're playing with 10. Uh, and David Brooks is out, who's been such a star performer, looks a real talent, links with Tottenham for 50, 60 million, all that. But how can they be so good and then go to Cardiff, who have not done a great deal this season, and be as bad as they were? Two did not flatter Cardiff City last week. Yeah. I think it's, it's a bit like, I think Eddie Hodge looked at it and thought, we're a team to stay in the Premier League we've got to score goals with that risk of times playing two up front like he did with Wilson and King and Fraser getting forward and Brooks getting forward yes at home when you're probably going to have at least half the possession it's not a problem the problem then becomes when you're away from home can you change your mentality can you go to a defensive 4-5-1 and dog out a result I don't think Eddie Howe is looking at that and thinking he can. He's thinking, listen, we're going to be beating teams like Cardiff, though, right? Yeah, you're not going to. Yeah, you can have more possession than Cardiff at their yeah, place. But I appreciate. It, but then you've got yeah. your key players out. Yeah. And, and if your key players out, especially at a club like Bournemouth, mm. then it's a more of a major effect than at clubs like Liverpool. But I think he's looked at it as a manager and think, you know what, we've got to score goals. Forget about getting draws. Let's get our home wins. And we're going to we're going to play against teams at a tight little ground. We're going to go and attack them and try and score goals the counter attack to that is away from home can they be dogged and destructive and the answer has been this season no unlikely they'll try this weekend <laughs> against Liverpool could be a very decent game Saturday 3 o'clock UK time next up we'll talk about Manchester City who take on Chelsea on Sunday Barkley again and he plays in Hazard here around the goalkeeper slots it into the back of the net and Eddie Hazard 
consummate performance gets the goal it deserves. Near side of the six-yard box to him over on the left-hand side. Arsenal managed to scramble it away, but Iwobi's given it away to Aguero. Oh, it's taken 47 seconds. 47 seconds for Manchester City to take the lead. Right, let's get to Sunday. Big game of the weekend. Manchester City up against Chelsea. Chelsea have won on just two of their last nine visits to the Etihad in the Premier League, winning 1-0 in February 2014 and 3-1 in December 2016. But, of course, beating them already in the Premier League this year at Stamford Bridge. So, I don't know, maybe the Blues are a bogey side for the reigning champions and this could be a much closer game than many of us might have anticipated. Now... Full disclosure, we've mentioned already on the programme, we are recording before uh, the Man City game against Everton, so we're going to assume everyone has come through that game fit and well and ready to play. I'm sure there were many changes uh, as well to that team uh, in midweek. Uh, right, let's talk about Manchester City. A few blips in recent times, of course, the loss against Newcastle, the uh, the most obvious one, but some, some dodgy performances as well, some scrape wins. I, I heard someone describe that, that City were getting back on a roll. I'm, I'm not too sure that's true with, with some of the performances that went before that as well, but maybe you guys would disagree and, and and that's what this forum's all about. Talk to me about Chelsea this weekend going to Man City, Kev. Um, are they going to play in that extreme defensive style which they employed, Conte style, under Sarri at Stamford Bridge earlier this season and got the win? I think the, the goal from N'Golo Kante came from only the third pass in City territory uh, in the entire half and they scored from it. Or are we going to see a more expansive Chelsea? What do you see as their approach away at City this weekend? I don't think anyone goes to Manchester City and tries to be expansive, if I'm honest. Not even Sarri? <laughs> no, I, I, I can't see it. He He's beginning to look like a Mourinho at Manchester United for me. He's stifling their creative players. Um, Kante, well out of position for me. Doesn't really know how to play the position. He's the best at what he does in the Premier League as that sitting midfielder as he proved at Leicester playing in a three on the right hand side of it or on the left hand side of it is 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 wrong Hazard um, he's come out and said he's made his decision as to what he's going to be doing at the end of the season which for him to say that I think tells me nobody wants you nobody wants I, you Eden I Real think, Madrid don't oh, want I you I think he'll be going somewhere I, I really do um, so I think they'll come out I think they'll sit they might even play the the false number nine or no forwards that he does and say to City, come and break us down. And w- will that stifle City? I don't know. If you let them have enough of the ball, they're still gonna they're still gonna end up breaking you down for me. Well, he didn't that night because we did the game, Tom. Mm. They didn't do, do that night because obviously, like you said, can't they scored from the only one attack they had, and they scored from a corner, yeah. a set piece. Um, I'd be surprised if they play. Hazard, I think at least with Higuain, there's actually a centre forward that Hazard can play with. You know, and you looked at the goals he scored and the link up play with Hazard, I think he'll go with Higuain. I think, and with Kev, you've still got to give an ounce of respect to City hitting top form, Guerrero off the back of a hat trick. So it'll have to be a defensive rear guard. Um, but Man City off the back of a real tough week. Arsenal, like you said, obviously mm. got Everton tonight. Uh, and then obviously Chelsea so it's a good time for Chelsea to go and be playing them Um, even though like I said earlier Man City have everybody firing in all cylinders Aguero's 
might sound strange to say this, but he's, he's stepped up again over the last few weeks. There was a bit of talk of when, when it was all going wrong, we were looking at Aguero and some of those big players and thinking you're not scoring the goals that they need at this time. But got that hat-trick against Arsenal last week. Scored 11 goals in 11 home Premier League games this season. He, well, I, you know, I don't think he's the problem, Dave. I think Sterling and, and Sani have dried up because they had a spell just before Christmas where the two of them were on fire, but they've seemed to dry up a wee bit. But they've got so many options. Jesus now looks like he's back to some sort of form. He was 18 months ago. Um, so there can be no excuses in terms of you looking at one man. With the squad they've got, Kevin De Bruyne looks back now after four or five games back from injury, looks back to, to the level he was beforehand. So I can still see it being a being a, a, a city win but I think it's a good time for Chelsea to play them What about defensively for Manchester City there's been so many variations of defence this season um, Laporte Otamendi Walker this weekend uh, just gone against Arsenal of course we can't talk about the Everton side before that Danilo's been playing Denny's not starting against against Arsenal has he been poor I don't know he, he didn't have a great game against Newcastle but you can certainly get at City and Vincent Company doesn't look like he'll be fit for this one either no, I think so. I think the the problems we've spoke over a time. If Fernandinho's not there, they're really exposed. The two, whoever plays, can be got at. Left back's been been a problem issue, but since Mendy's been injured, um, but that that can't be left as an excuse because of the amount of players they've got in the squad and and the money they've spent. But it is definitely an area where they've struggled in terms of left back and if, and Fernandinho's not playing, they can be got at. We saw them beat Huddersfield five nil last week, and that and that kind of very temporarily papered over the mm. big cracks that were starting to show before that game. And you know, it feels like everyone's kind of the, the, the gaze has been averted from Sari and Chelsea somewhat. Whereas before that game last week, you know, people were there were a lot of people saying, "I think he, he's he's done. I think he's going to be done at the end of the season, if not before." And you know. We, we're back to it this week against Man City. You know, this is Higoyen's come in and scored a couple of goals now. Is he going to be able to do it against a proper team? Problem you have when you play against Manchester City is yes, if you can get at them, they are vulnerable. And as and as Lomi said, if you take Fernandinho out the side again, like Kante, one of the best at his position, he knows when to get it, pass it. He knows how many little niggly fouls does he commit when teams yeah. break forward and oh little shove. Sorry, ref, yeah. puts his hands up. Very rarely gets booked. Oh, sorry, sorry about that. You know, let's carry on. Picks the player up, gets on with it. The problem you have is, yes, they can be got at, but you need to have enough of the ball for long enough to get at them. Yeah. And Manchester City are so good at winning the ball back high up the pitch because of the way it's all five, ten-yard passes and they move up the pitch together. So invariably, when they lose the ball, you've got three or four players around the ball and they're winning it back straight away. You've got to be brave and try and pl- play and beat that initial two, three-man press and get out and keep the ball for long enough to get at them. And this is the problem teams have. I, th- I think you have, but you've also got to then, for me, if, if I was sorry this week, I would probably show them clips of what they did well against Man City without the ball. Mm. Because everybody to a man put in a shift. Everybody knew the role. Everybody was disciplined in terms of not going around kicking people, but holding the positions, breaking when it was on, but getting back behind the ball. And they're going to have to do more of the same, regardless of who Higuain coming in and Hazard now playing in his favourite position they've got to have that level of discipline because like Kev says is 
you know, in terms of when you're attacking and in that transitional period when you lose it attacking to getting back, you've got to have everybody bust on the gut to get back into defensive shape. Away from the game this weekend, looking ahead at City's upcoming fixtures, they've got uh, the game against Chelsea at the weekend, then it's the FA Cup against Newport, which will be an easy game for them, surely. Uh, and you've got Champions League against Schalke, you've got the EFL Cup final to come, um, and that's all this month. Another game against West Ham midweek this month as well. So the games are coming thick and fast, and they have had their injury issues this year. You mentioned De Bruyne, he came back, but of course hobbled off in the game. Aguero scored a hat-trick at the weekend, just gone. Looked like he, he was kind of limping a little bit as he came off as well. Just a question on focus, really, Steve, for Man City. It has been said a few times on this show and many others that City would prefer to win the Champions League than the Premier League. And at some point during this run, maybe the run after that, should they get past Schalke in the Champions League, that they might need to make some concessions for one competition over the other. Do you think that's the case? He said they're going to attack on all fronts, but it's just not possible, is it? I think it's very hard to, to know when you're going to get injuries and when you're going to not, you know what I mean? So how do you... All right, it's always going to be a key month. Nine games in February was always going to be a key month, so he's going to have to do rotation. That goes without saying. But to say that you can decide that at the start of the month... You know, you know, I know he's a good manager, but you know, that's very hard to, to say, listen, this is what our likely our teams are gonna be mm. over them periods. Yeah, he's gonna have to rotate players. Um but I think he, he wants to win the league. There's no doubt upstairs Sheikh Mansour and, and the family wanna win the Champions League because they realise there then City are then becoming into the realms of being a superpower. Everybody knows they've got the financial clout. They've turned yeah. the obviously English Premiership around, but the big stage is the Champions League. I think if Guardiola leaves Manchester City whenever he does, and he hasn't won back-to-back Premier League titles, that will rankle with him. Mm. That you know, Sir Alex Ferguson is the only one really that's consistently won back-to-back titles. Mourinho's done it once, but you know that's the mark really of a mm. of a dominant Premier League side. Ten years since anyone won the Premier League back-to-back. Been a long old time uh, since that happened. So it would be a huge achievement if they were able to do it. Uh, let's move on to Tottenham up against Leicester. Sunday, 1.30 UK time. Kev Watson, former Tottenham midfielder. Uh, they are back in the title race, no doubt about it. Looking at the end of the weekend, what, five points off top at the end of Monday's game against Liverpool. And uh, they just sort of, without Harry Kane, and without Deli Alley, have quietly got their way back into the title race. How have they done it? They certainly have. Um, I, for one, feared the worst when uh, Son went off to the Asia Cup. Um, Harry Kane done his ankle. <laughs> Deli Alley innocuously slid off the pitch, done his hamstring. And I actually thought, that's it. You know, that's it. They'll be okay defensively. Are they going to carry enough goal for it? to stay in the hunt and all of a sudden with the other two slipping up they've quietly gone about their business like you say and they'll be now thinking well hang on Son's back Deli Ali, he will, he'll be back soon Harry Kane looks like he's going to be back within a week or so now yep. um, yeah, which saying 2nd of March for Kane 16th for Ali. yeah so I, they're still in it they're still hanging on in there and fair play to them I think it's great management. He's um, He's got Janssen back. I know Janssen hasn't played, but for someone who he told was not going to be at the club anymore, not in my plans, all of a sudden he's been on the bench. He's obviously had a good conversation to get him on side. Llorente's come in, not my cup of tea, scored a couple of important yeah. goals. So I thought they were really poor against Palace in the cup, but when you look at his body language in that game, he was not bothered one iota. He's normally up, he's on the side, he's mm. goading his players. He just sat there with his arms crossed and thought... 
in my opinion, let's see what players I've got. Let's see what I can bring in when I need to. Let's see how they respond, these fringe players. And he was just watching. Um, brilliant management for me. Yeah, I think so. I 100% agree with you. I think the strength everybody's been saying is he's going to pay for not signing anybody. Tottenham's not going to sign anybody. And to be fair, the manager said I'd rather take somebody from the youth. And let's have it right, he's got Lamella come back. He's got Mora's come back as well. People forget about them. They're, they're quality, yeah. quality players. And whatever you say about Laurenti, you know, he single-handedly kept Swansea in the league for a couple of seasons. And, and if you give him the right service... And maybe it's a little bit different than the way Tottenham normally play. But if you give him the right service, he can be a handful. So I say all credit to Poch. He stood strong. He said, I'm the manager of this club. I know what I'm doing. And he's got the players on side. Like you said, the likes of Janssen, who was so far out of the picture, is uh, to be able to cajole him and to be come on the bench. But of course, What else he got on, though? He's not busy, is he? No, he nothing well, going exactly. on. He's read all his books. He's completed all his games. He's got <laughs> yeah, nothing but going the, on. But at the end of the day, Tom, when you're told you're not at a club, you mentally you're gone. Right. So so for for him to come on the bench and, and respond in the right way, you know, it, it's still credit to him. Uh, Leicester City, the visitors to Tottenham this weekend, one uh, thirty on Sunday. Uh, Claude Puel still remains a man under pressure, but Leicester are, a, are an amazing story this season. One of just three non-Big Six sides to have won away against such a team this season. Of course, one at Chelsea, along with Wolves and Crystal Palace, who have picked up big wins away at the top six. They've picked up huge victories and put in good performances that were good against Man U last week unlucky to lose that game 1-0 in the end they pressed they played some good stuff that freaky from Cazal would, would have gone in against anyone but David De Gea probably you know they're a good side Leicester City and they do turn it on against big teams better I, teams I think they'll get something on Sunday I can see them getting something Tottenham been admirably getting results lately squeaking wins maybe when they've not been playing well enough and I think that might just catch up with them especially with the Champions League game on Tuesday at Dortmund uh, Fifth best defence in the Premier League Leicester but I think it's the 13th or 14th best attack so maybe that shows why some fans aren't happy but cheer up alright it could be worse <laughs> who, who else going to go in after Claude Puel and do a better job they're talking about Brendan Rodgers they'll probably get Allardyce won't they but yeah. they've, they've just been spoiled by winning the, <laughs> winning the Premier League three four years ago whenever it was you, spoiled. You it's mm. spoiled. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen again. Yeah, no, ever. Yeah, <laughs> probably will next year. Is, I think Claude Puel's realised he was trying to evolve and change a little bit. Listen, Leicester are a team that sits deep and plays on the counter. Yeah, and he's went back to that, and and they're finally picking up a few results because he was he was in danger of losing his job six, seven games ago yeah they should be happier but if you read the lips <laughs> of Jamie Vardy after last week's game against Man U maybe they're not all uh, fully happy with Claude Puel as yet right we'll move on next up we'll talk Fulham up against Manchester United when you're ready to pop the question the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring at BlueNile.com you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. 
With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18+, begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Ricardo does well on the far side, but then gives the ball away to Pogba. Over the top, looking for Rashford. Brilliant control, brilliant finish from Marcus Rashford. And he marks his 100th Premier League appearance with an outstanding goal. And it's a goal so typical of Manchester United under Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. Pogba with the vision, Rashford with the finish. And it's Leicester City nil, Manchester United 1. Right, big game in the Premier League early on Saturday. First game of the weekend, Fulham take on Manchester United. Is there life in Fulham right now? They've won two of their last three Premier League home games, as many as they had in their previous 11 at Craven Cottage. But I think it's fair to say it's not a good time to play Manchester United, looking to win six consecutive away games in all competitions for the first time in just shy of a decade. May 2009, the last time they were this good on the road. Uh, we'll talk about Manu in a second, but let's start with Fulham because um, ever since the game a couple of weeks ago against Brighton when they were 2-0 down uh, and we thought the season was over, they have suddenly shown a bit more fight. Uh, they showed a lot of fight, I thought, against Crystal Palace last week, but essentially the firepower that, that Palace have been missing all season long is now there. Benteke, Batshuayi, they could get forward and they could score. But Fulham certainly felt like they were in the game for long spells of it, and that showed as well in the comeback uh, against Brighton before that. Got to win the home games, right? That's how it is yeah. when you stay down the bottom and, and got to get on the front foot against Man U. You can't absorb Man U right now, Kev, can you? No, you certainly can't. So they've got to have a go. Um, and you know under Ranieri they will have a go. He's got a great record, hasn't he? Wherever he's been, his teams have had a go. They've not struggled apart from the, the following season after they won, he won the, the, the Premier League mm. with, with Leicester. Um, Mitrovic, good player, talisman for them. They will. They'll. They'll have a go. They'll get a Manchester United. I just think that at the moment, the way Manchester United are playing, and again, like uh, Lomi mentioned about Bournemouth, intimate little ground, tight little pitch, stands right on top of you. You got to get your results there. Fulham have to get their results there. Can they get it against Manchester United? Yeah, they can. Do I expect them to? No, I think Man U are playing at the top of their game right now and I think they could blow them away. You just don't see how that defence is going to cope with Manchester United, do you? 100%, I think they've got they've got to score goals because there's no doubt they're going to concede against yeah. Man United, especially with the Fulham's defence. So, you know, something Ranieri prides himself on, but if you haven't got the tools at your you know, expense, you're you know, you're going to you really struggle, but Pogba at the minute on fire, Rashford yeah. looking like he's really you know, staking the claim for being the main man, and then if you're really struggling, then you just throw on Roman and Lukaku. Well, Pogba, Pogba <laughs> just looks like he's having a kick around with his mates in the playground at the minute, doesn't he? he just yeah, watched the, him the game the other day, absolutely run the show, the getting little, it, giving it. The little it, pass over the top yeah, thing was fantastic. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. I mean, he just plays at a leisurely pace. Arrogant, yes, but to play at that level, you have, you need a bit of arrogance, and he is now stepping up to the plate and really is he's the governor at the minute in that Manchester United midfield. Might be interesting to see what Solskjaer does with the team. They've got PSG at home on Tuesday. Might he change a couple of players with that game in mind? Rest Rashford, rest Martial, maybe Lukaku through the centre. They can't afford Lindelof or Bai to be injured, so maybe we'll see well, I think another pair. I think it would be, would be key to get you know Lukaku a start 
Mm. <laughs> Certainly them Fulham boys wouldn't want him. He's got a point to prove as well. Mm. Obviously, he's now looks like he's, he's not the main man. Rashford's come in and took his crown. So you would certainly have a motivated player, which sometimes Romelu Lukaku isn't. So um, I think it's whatever team Man yeah. United put out, I think it's going to be a win. I, I, I think it's the, the first real managerial test that he's faced. With the Champions League coming up on Tuesday, what team can I pick that will be good enough? I know they do have very good players waiting to come in. What team do I pick that I feel is good enough to win this game? Because they're still fighting to, to finish in the top four. So they need Can't to win. throw it away, yeah. No, they no. need to win. Mm. I'll I tell you what, though, what's interesting, reading all the sports pages we all do, is that there's obviously some real briefing going on right now, some feelers going out about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer staying on as manager. There's Jordi uh, Cruyff in the Times this week talking about Ole knows the... DNA of the club. There's been a few pieces about he he doesn't like to be called boss. Call me Ollie, you know that sort of thing. It feels like there's a lot of briefing going on right now. Maybe subtly, maybe not, from journalists in that area and down the country and maybe around the world as well to people listening that, that, that he might actually be the the answer moving forward. The next few games will be, will be critical, obviously, with the Champions League and and finishing in, finishing in those top four places as well. But you know, it doesn't feel like Dave. You said a few weeks ago that. The move for Pochettino has happened. We've had nothing of that. We keep getting these good news stories about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. I think they've just got to be careful. That They need to make sure that they, they, they're absolutely certain if they give Solskjaer the job that he's the right man for the job. Don't be swayed by sentimentality, just the fact that he's a club legend. If, if you think he's good enough, great. Give him the job, get it done early, back him. And, and maybe if that nice approach, yeah, he's nice. And he needed to be because it just mm. needed to be after Marino. You needed a nice guy and he's lifted everybody and the mood... But where he's got to be strong and where he's got to show his mettle is managing up. So whenever he goes there, he said, these are the players I want rid of. No questions after. They give him the job and this is who the players I want brought in. They do need to change the structure of the club. And I, I think that's clear. And no matter who's the manager next season, the, the way they sign players in the modern day, I don't think is good enough compared to some of their competitors. And you saw that with David Moyes. They they had the targets, but they couldn't get the deals done. Ed Woodward is all of a sudden in charge of the football operations of this club, and he's come from the commercial department. It's not his bag. Yeah. And, they, and they've not really changed it since, and that's clearly been a problem. Uh, and, you know, the, there was no harmony with Jose Mourinho and what he wanted and what the club thought they wanted. They need someone who knows what they're doing in the but transfer market. I think that is what I'm yeah. saying. They need a strong manager to say, listen, this is who I want. Where they need to bring somebody in as an in-between, yeah. in terms of a do. chief scout. Yeah. Um, but he is he got that belief in himself and that strength with with his pedigree in terms of his management side mm. to say this is what I want. Yep. Do it my way. If you don't do it my way, I don't want the job. Or is he just gonna be happy? Let's have it right. This is Man United. It'd be very hard to go in there and mm. strong arm, like an Alex Ferguson did. He went in there and changed the whole culture of the team. I know it's a different era. And, and the way they sign players is different, Dave. But has he got that strength and belief in himself? Say, all right, if you're not going to do it my way, I don't want the job. What he's done is very clever. I think he's gone in and a lot of players, they need individual treatment, don't they, Lomi? You know, you've been a manager. Some need a cuddle. Some need, not a right-hander, but like a real a real, a real, going over. Um, he's gone in there and give everyone a cuddle. Been everyone's mate, been their friend, been an ex-player, talked to him, call, call him Ollie. And... There's an argument to say, why fix what's not broken? However, the start of a new season, getting rid of players, signing players, starting with a clean slate, where especially if he gets in the top four, they'll be expected to move on. Different kettle of fish. Uh, and let's yeah. have it right. Look, look at in the past, 
temper your managers who have done well, and then when they got the job, they're out of the job. Absolutely you know, right. correct, yeah. Mm. You know, at the drop of a hat, Craig Shakespeare, yeah. um, Mateo at Chelsea, yep. another prime example, did well, won the Champions, won the Champions League. League yeah. five, five months later, he's yeah, out of the job. It's a good point. Uncle Avram went to West Ham, <laughs> he really <laughs> suffered. <laughs> um, one final question on Fulham, who are the hosts for this game this weekend. I think it's a really interesting time for Fulham. So they got the Man U game this weekend, fine, but we expect them to lose that game. Any point they get is a bonus then looking at their next couple of games away to West Ham uh, and that's a winnable game West Ham in that kind of mid-table area don't do well against the teams below them really then Southampton away uh, and that could be a really important game down the bottom of the Premier League Southampton still in that mix after their draw against Burnley last weekend um, what chance of Fulham being able to get the, the 34 35 that they need to stay in the Premier League currently sitting on 17 after 25 games well the fixtures you've just listed They've, they've, they've got a real chance they've got a chance to get out of it um, I would like to see them get out of it which makes um, the game against Manchester United not a free hit but they can go out there and like most managers at the bottom of the league they'll be targeting games where they think we can win this game do they realistically think they can beat Manchester United no but he'll be telling his players go out there show them what you've got Nothing to lose. Have a real go. Look you at know? how important that win for Newcastle was yeah. against Man City. That's what I'd be saying yeah. to them. Listen, yeah. I, I don't think they can afford to pick, and I know what you're saying. But at the end of the day, they've got 17 points from 25 games. They've got to get another 17 from 14. Mm. So, listen, for me, it's going to be a struggle. The last four or five weeks, he needed to pick up more wins. Yeah. Um, they need to go on a run at home. They probably need to win. 85, 90% of the home games to have mm. any chance and, and and they haven't done that so far this season. Yeah, seven home wins, 21 points from now would probably be enough but you've got to win those games. Uh, right, let's continue talking about the bottom of the Premier League. Brighton take on Burnley Saturday 5.30 UK time. Brighton have won only one of their last 10 Premier League games beating Everton at the end of December. Uh, Burnley unbeaten in their last six games, three wins and three draws. Only Man U on a better run in the competition right now. Burnley find themselves on 24 points, 17th place. Uh, two outside the relegation zone, Brighton up in 13th. But uh, Brighton have got a game on, on Wednesday. This is before uh, or after we've recorded the programme, so we don't know how they've got in the cup, but we can assume they've changed everybody because, Kev, I can't help but feel at the moment um, that, that Chris Hewton will be thinking the form has tailed off, the goals have always been pretty dry, they were 2-0 up at, at Fulham and failed to win the game. Um, they're relying on, on Glenn Murray in, in his 35th year to score the goals to keep him up. He'll have some worries, won't he, at the moment, that they could be dragged into this. I'm not sure that of anyone that's above the bottom three um, that they've got enough yet. No, they're five points clear of the relegation zone. They have started slipping up. Um, they're heavily reliant, and they have been on set pieces for a lot of the season, and Glenn Murray in particular. And at some point, a 35-year-old is going to start feeling tired if he's playing every game of a, of a Premier League season. And maybe that's why... I think they've got enough. I think they've got enough. I think they will... They'll stay up for the simple fact that they're 13th. And although they're only five points clear of trouble, there's still another four teams below them. Yeah. 
that have got to start winning their games also. I, th- I think Chris has done an amazing job, but I think they're two, two wins away from cementing, yeah. cementing the place. That's <clears> what <throat> way he's got to look at it. But the other, on the other flip side of the coin, from Burnley, Southampton, Newcastle, Palace, Brighton are the team that's in the worst form. Mm. Them, them other four teams are actually on the front foot compared to where they were at the start of the season. And teams sink, don't they? Of We've course. seen it with, with Sheffield United, the what? ones I remember being 10th, end up going down. 100% Tom, and, and like you said, you want to get them that win if he gets another win in the next two or three games, that sort of almost cements him up. But, you know, you go another four or five games without it's a, a win. Game. It's a big it's game. It's a massive game. Next up, let's talk about a man who might not have a big role for his team for the rest of this season. The Marco Silva derby as Watford take on Everton. Into the area, force here for Dead Dunker, who volleys into the roof of the net. Wolves on the break. Ball broke to Dead Dunker. He missed in the first half. Second left foot volley into the roof of the net, and surely now Wolves are going to pick up a fifth away win of the season. It's Everton one, Wolves three. Right, let's get to the Marco Silva derby, a game that 18 months ago might not have had this vitriol behind it. I was chatting to Toby Gillis, one of our colleagues here at TalkSport this week, and last weekend, after Everton's defeat against Wolverhampton Wanderers, he came over and showed me a message from his mum, who is not a big football fan, uh, but she she knows that the family are all big Watford fans. She showed him this text, and it was like, I see Everton's new superstar managers doing a great job. Even the bystanders of Watford are loving just how bad it's going at the moment for Marco Silva and Everton, but it is worth saying they're worse at home than they are away. Uh, they're looking to win consecutive away league games and they have uh, thrashed Burnley away from home this year so maybe the pressure of Goodison uh, is an issue but Dave of course we're going to come to you first on this what sort of reception will you be giving Marco Silva this weekend <laughs> are you going have you taken some rotten tomatoes well, look Vicarage Road isn't exactly renowned for its sort of Galatasaray-esque welcome to hell atmosphere but if it's ever going to be like that, I think on Saturday we'll have a chance. It, it, it's, it was the, the fixture that all Watford fans looked for beyond all others this season. They weren't worried about last day of the season, Boxing Day or Man, Man United, Man City. No, it's when are we playing Everton at home and away. Um, and I mean, there is some real bad blood between the supporters and the club I think as well that really they really held on for everything they could get out of Everton in terms of the compensation situation and and they they you know they were very public in in their displeasure with the situation and how Marco Silva treated them and acted when he was the manager of Watford he, it was all good it was going so well for him under under at Vicarage Road last season they had a good start to the season but as soon as the sniff of the Everton job came along he he was off and, and, he, and he wasn't bothered and I think the way he conducted himself is, is the key thing here because look managers move on you get offers players move on that happens we're used to it but it's the way he did it and the reports that you heard of the way that he basically completely just sulked and threw his toys out the pram and said look I'm not bothered until you let me go and eventually they got rid of him we've replaced him with a thoroughly great man in Javi Gracia <laughs> who everyone loves and he's done a great job and nothing would give me and all the other 20,000 Watford fans inside Vicarage Road more pleasure than to see him wipe the smugness of Marco this. Silva's face but, on Saturday. But isn't it quite ironic, Dave, that this is a club that have had five managers and sack a manager after he does well and bring in another manager? So I understand what you're saying. I think Marco Silva, for me, has been very lucky in his management career. Um, but that being said, I 
can't really have a great amount of sympathy for Watford, the way they've treated managers in the past. Well, and I think it's yeah. a double-edged sword. You Perhaps. know, you treat players that way, sometimes karma comes back to bite you. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But I think, look, the, the focus, it, forgetting about the stuff between the two clubs, it's the big situation here is Marco Silva, and he is under pressure as Everton manager. Um, and he's not the first one. It yeah. seems to be a repeating situation with Everton that managers go in and it's just not... You know, you've had Martinez, you've had Koeman, you've had Allardyce, now you've got Silva. None of them can get it right. Is it about time, Steve? Is it about some of these managers getting a, a longer run at Everton? They've had uh, a director of football, then there was not a director of football, there was a chairman making the transfers, the chairman's gone, the director of football comes in, new manager comes in, Allardyce plays one way, Silva plays the other, Koeman plays another... He's not doing great right now, Marco Silva, but Everton fans need to back off a bit, don't they? Well, I think you're 100% right. Different different ways of working, different managers, different types. Then you've got a turnover of players. You know, one manager buys one player, then it's not his type. So I think you're 100% right, Tom. They've got to... Well, everybody thought this, it was Marco Silva. They're going to give him... He's forward-thinking, he's the newfangled. Sam Allardyce was a dinosaur, the way he plays. But unfortunately, and we know at any level... Listen, you've got 10 games and he is all over the shop and at the minute, defensively, it doesn't look like he's getting the best from them because they're conceding, I think it's something like, I think the worst defensive record in set plays. Now, you would like to think that's one of the easier things to solve. Yeah. You know what I mean? You've got yeah. to work on it, work on it, work on it. But, you know, obviously the way you play in open style of formation is different. That comes with quality players, but... Listen, he's under pressure. If he if he gets turned over this week, I wouldn't be surprised if he goes. Unfortunately, that is the nature of the beast. Lomi's managed, I've managed at different levels, not albeit not the Premier League. However, I I inherited a scenario in a, a non-league team where I had to. We were already relegated. I got taken in. Yet yeah, next season we we'll really have a go for it. Whatever. I had to get rid of all eighteen players because they wasn't good enough. So therefore, I had to start from scratch, build a team, build a team. So along the way, wrong. I didn't know non-league particularly well. I had some come in, weren't good enough, weren't good enough, was good enough, was good enough, not sure. All of a sudden, it took me till 10 games to go in that season to get a settled 12, 13 players that I could rely on week in, week out. So he's still got players hangover from the previous era, completely different styles of football, what they want to play. So, you do need time. So, I, I'm, I'm with you, Tom. I think they do need to back off a bit, give him time to get completely his team and his players. Unfortunately, he's got players there under contract that he yeah. probably doesn't want who don't fit into his style. However, you're right. You're only ever, they say, you're only ever four games away from the sack. And he's no got, one cares. Got, if he keeps losing, yeah. he'll yeah, get sacked. Mm. But you've, listen, when you go into management at any level, you've, you've, got, to, you've got to manage them players that, that are there. That you or have. Like, further down the line but it's quite clearly with the players they've got and they've got some good players mm. he isn't getting the best out of them mm. it's, as, it's as simple as that whatever that be the, be the case whether you know there's too many seniors there whether there's too many attacking players whatever that the balance yeah. is he is not doing a, enough for that Everton squad and they sacked Sam Allardyce when he finished 8th right yep. and mm. Sam was talking about that on TalkSport this week saying how ludicrous he thought that decision was clearly a man who uh, has some bitterness to, to Everton and, and fair, fairly so mm. to be honest and you know they're ninth Watford are in eighth at the moment and it could, you could easily have a situation where Everton slip into the bottom half maybe after this weekend and 
perspective on clubs is so funny, isn't it? Because you look at that little group of teams. Wolves having a phenomenal season. Watford, a good season. Bournemouth, a good season. West Ham, an OK season. Leicester, dreadful. It's awful. Puel out. <laughs> Everton, above Watford and West Ham and Bournemouth. Get him out. It's rubbish. I don't like it. You know, even I've just said West Ham having an OK season. They're having a good season, really. They've beaten Man U and drawn against Liverpool. You know, it's funny from that fan perspective what you think should happen and what actually happens. It's going to be a great game, I think, Watford-Everton. Uh, Watford, much like all those teams, you never know what you're going to get. But what you did get last week, phenomenal showing from Ben Foster. Great performance. Oh, I think the, for us so far. the Watford uh, official Twitter was like, right, who's man of the match? Ben Foster's left leg, right leg, left arm, right arm. I thought it was great. Uh, right, let's move on. Southampton against Cardiff City. Saints unbeaten in five Premier League matches. Big having game, this one. Big absolutely game. right. Uh, it's their best run since 2016 they've had in the Premier League. Should have won against uh, Burnley last week, but that 93rd-minute penalty saw it as a draw. Uh, for Cardiff, um, great win last week in, in very difficult circumstances uh, against Bournemouth. It was very touching the way they handled the whole thing, and, and Neil Warnock was obviously very affected by the whole um, Emiliano Salah story last week, and, and the club handled everything absolutely fantastically. Um, on the field, they were great as well, outplayed Bournemouth for long spells, and uh, and Kev Watson, this is a game, as, as Dave rightly says, it, it's a fantastic match down the bottom of the Premier League, and I would say, from my perspective, utterly unpredictable. I don't know what's going to happen. I, I looked at this fixture earlier on today, and I I can't call it. I really can't call it. You got Southampton that have picked up under Hassan Hurtel, um, and you're thinking, yeah, they'll get out of it. Um, you've got Cardiff, and as, as you rightly mentioned, the, the Emiliano Sala story, which is absolutely tragic. I think that it's it's going to have a massive effect on them going forward. Yes, Saturday, it's all very, very fresh in the memory um, and have produced a wonderful day, great win. Going forward, does that carry on like that or does it get to players, does it get to Neil Warnock? How do they react going forward? It's a, it's a very unpredictable game. Um, I wouldn't be able to call that either way. I think, listen... Everybody hopes I know Neil Warnock in the past has, has been a pantomime villain, but mm. I think everybody would be delighted if he stayed up this Absolutely, year. And, yeah. and for them to be in with a fighting chance is fantastic. When you consider they're playing a, they played a fullback up front mm. in Patterson yeah. for yeah. the majority of the season, yeah. obviously they thought they were signing somebody that was going to come in and be the talisman in the season. In tragic circumstances, that happens. Then you throw on the back of the fact of they were the first team to play Leicester after the tragedy. Mm-hmm. So they've had a, so much, a, ro- a roller coaster of emotions and times. But to be in there fighting, I would really love Cardiff yeah. to, to stay I'd, in the league I'd, this season. Although Neil Warnock is not everyone's cup of tea, I don't think you'd want anyone else in charge of that no. team at the minute. No. Mm. I, I think he will know how to speak to them, how to galvanise them. And and as you say, I'd, I'd love to see them get out of trouble. Yeah, some good showings last week from Cardiff as well. I was covering the game and I thought Bobby Reed, I yeah. thought Bobby Reed was fantastic. Umani mm. Ass played great. Joe Rawls in midfield, booting everyone up in the air. Mm. Uh, without Harry Arter, they won as well. I always think it's outstanding. So uh, he should be back this weekend against Southampton. Uh, let's move on. Crystal Palace up against West Ham United. Uh, sometimes teams are just bogey teams uh, for others. Crystal Palace winless in seven Premier League encounters with West Ham. Three draws and four defeats in that time. But West Ham have lost their last three away games in the Premier League. Aggregate score, 7-0. 
Um, you're Steve gonna, you're going to lose this, aren't you? Oh, you're yeah. just putting a good show against Liverpool. You're oh, going to yeah. lose to Palace. I mean, Steve, Steve Lomas. Is it that um, song, The Real Sli- Slim Shady, Please Stand Up? Because you, you, just, you, <laughs> <laughs> you just don't know what you're getting with West Ham, I never you? picked you out as an Eminem fan. <laughs> I never would have hey, got that. A hey, secret, secret, secret <laughs> tragedy, that is. Um, but, but Crystal Palace last week got their strikers. Yeah, yeah. Batshuayi yeah. came on and played well. Benteke, you know, looked apart for the first time in a long time. West Ham... Uh, Steve, you've seen him a lot this year, as Dave says. One week, fantastic. Next week, absolutely dreadful. Uh, Anatovic could be back for this one, should be back. Nazri as well. So some of the cavalry have started yeah. to, to get back. I think there's a lot of positives as well. The way West Ham are wanting to play, I think with Anderson and, and Antonio, they've got Pierce out wide, a bit similar to, to what, what Palace have got. So I think with Palace, like I said, I think West Ham are better when teams come on to them. Palace are probably better, so it's, it's to mention what way the game goes. I think with Palace at home, they'll have to come and attack. Um, it's just whether we can defend properly, and I think you know that's why he comes in. Looks like he's gonna be gonna be a, a good foil for Saha uh, and the likes and Townsend. So it's a really evening match game again. I just you don't know what way it's gonna go but I think defences will be key to the game Would you keep West Ham same team as Monday that midfield three as well I think Robert Snodgrass will look better in a midfield yeah. three than he has anywhere else this year Well I think just the energy that he brings the determination the work rate um, I think you know he's earned it by his sheer will and then his example for any player that's out of the picture I think Fredericks came in and, and showed that he's got the pace and I, I would love because with the with greatest respect to, to Zabaleta you know he's been a fantastic player he's at the end of his career give Fredericks a go to the end of the season to see if he can handle the step up because he's having the game here game there give him 12 games and, and it'll be a great test who he plays especially at right back there's going to be great pace up against him I thought he did okay against Liverpool's pace as well. Um, so, but it's it's a toss of a coin, and yeah. and it's also a toss what mindset West Ham turn up when they play the big games. They're up, they're up mm. for it because they know they have to be at their best. But these these games here are key. Why we're not pushing on? Pretty big game for Palace this because everyone's sort of. Don't, they don't really include them when they're talking about the relegation battle, but they are only four points above the bottom three. And if Cardiff were to capitalise on that win last week and get a, a win this weekend, Palace lose, they're one point above the relegation zone. Yep, and, and it could also maybe drag teams like take West Ham, maybe Leicester back into it as well. Yeah. Cardiff winning games has, has upset a lot of teams in the Premier League right now, absolutely right. Uh, one team definitely going down, Huddersfield Town. They've lost uh, their last six Premier League home games, just two wins all season so you know if they're not going to bother then why should we let's talk about Arsenal uh, winless <laughs> in their last six Premier League away games uh, Kev Watson uh, what did you make of their performance last week against Man City and, and does it matter who plays at the back this week for Arsenal because Huddersfield aren't going to get at them well yeah six without winning On did you say on the road on the road yeah yeah um, what a game for him to have it's most certainly one where you can Put that to bed yeah. and, and get back to winning ways. To Chelsea last week, isn't it? Yeah, I the mean, game you want when things aren't H- going too well for you. Huddersfield at the moment are they're they're completely out of their depth in this division. Mm. Uh, let's get it right. So the Eric the Eel of the Premier League. I like yeah. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, Arsenal's performance at Manchester City, um, okay, first half, and then incredibly loose. Um, I thought Manchester City, once they got the first goal, would go on to win comfortably, which in the end they did. Um, Arsenal had a go, played two up top. I just think that plays eventually into Manchester City's hands and, and so it so it turned out. But what a game for them to, to get back to winning ways and 
keep the pressure in that top four. Another team in the long transition, Arsenal, right now. I'm sure Emery will get uh, another another year and maybe mm. even a transfer window where he can buy some players. Imagine that. Uh, finally, Monday night football, Wolverhampton Wanderers up against Newcastle. Wolves uh, won the reverse fixture in December, looking to achieve a double over Newcastle for the first time since 91-92. Uh, Newcastle will go ultra-defensive there. You've seen it plenty of it's... times from Newcastle and Wolves will, will try and score some goals on the I front th- foot. I think it's be- beauty and the beast, isn't it? You know, <laughs> looking at Wolves, lovely football open one attack and look at Newcastle and Benitez and uh, Benitez he, he, listen he has to go that way because he hasn't got the players but it goes to show you the difference between two managers and the mindset Wolves have come up and the manager says listen we're going to attack Benitez says listen I haven't got the players so maybe it's a, mm. a, a bit of both but listen I've really enjoyed watching Wolves this year I don't mm. know about you yeah, they, they have some of their better moments this season on the counter attack though so I don't know if that might be an issue for them you know they've got good enough players to obviously dominate possession and have the ball and and take the game to Newcastle. But when they've been flying forward sometimes on the counter attack, that's when they've looked their most dangerous. So if Newcastle do manage to defend, I'd, could, could I could get something. I, yeah, I think that's because teams have got win that they they can have a lot of possession against you, so they defend deep against Wolves. They're almost Manchester City's little baby brother, aren't they? Learning how to to be like them, and teams go, oh, you're gonna have more on the ball. But you're right. You almost want teams to come onto you because they're terrific to watch great and great going forward and I like them. Beauty v the Beast. Taylor's old as time. <laughs> Song as old as rhyme. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. Great stuff, everyone. That's the end of the preview show for this week. We are back next week. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.